Hello, I'm Jane Daly and this is my podcast for people who know. As an independent thought leader, coach and work-life advocate, I'm curious about people who are accelerating their work and life. And whilst finding their own balance, they have also found time to inspire others to do the same. My interest in Joe Cook started when Joe and I met at a conference many years ago. Joe was inspiring people with her presence on stage and helping them off stage with everything so they got their point across in such a poignant way. And from that point, I was taken and Joe and I have been friends ever since. Joe, I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the podcast today. How are you? Oh, I'm so well and I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for asking me. It's been such a good time in virtual learning. It's been very busy um, and the world has changed and our client base has changed. And, and I think it's been a really good, interesting time. I absolutely agree with you. And I know that you've been so busy and quite rightly with the expertise that you have. Um, it's something that we should be sharing across the world. But um, should we let our listeners know what, what we're up to together? Well, yes, if we're not busy enough, we decided to launch a project together, didn't we? Because with your background in the research and behavioural sciences stuff and my background in virtual and waving that flag for let's do live online learning just a little bit better, we've decided to come up with a research survey. Why is the research part of this so important, Jane? I feel like actually I'm interviewing you now. This is your podcast. I've completely taken over as I normally do. (laughs) That's absolutely fine. I I love it. Um, The research is really important for for three reasons, really. One, there isn't enough evidence-backed stuff in the world of virtual and hybrid. Two, some of those big questions. I really want us to share our passions and our experience. Yeah. And three, people need help with this stuff and we need to share that best practice. Yeah. And that's what our survey does. It asks a whole load of questions. It's not one of those three or four question surveys. It's a little bit more detailed. But because we need the detail for, you know, how are you feeling about sessions? What are you doing if you're a designer or a facilitator? How do you approach things? Even simple things like do we really want our facilitator's webcam on all the time um, or would it be okay to turn it off and on as we need it because you know there are bits of research about it but we want to know what attendees think don't we so that we can start saying well look this is what people are telling us so why don't we do something uh, a little bit differently or do things maybe this way in this context absolutely joe you know like everything you and i discuss we're very passionate about this world and i think it's bringing those different perspectives together to mm-hmm. really help people drive excellence in this space yeah very much looking forward to it and I'm sure we're going to go into detail on this as we talk more definitely so let's get into the time machine shall we okay so um tell me what it feels and looks like for you Oh, well, it's warm and cosy and there's lots of resources because you never know where you're going to end up if I've learned anything by watching time travel movies. Uh, And obviously there's lots of dials and a flux capacitor. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And a few secret things that we won't share with anybody else that were just for you and me. Yeah. Um, But you make yourself a drink and I'm going to set the clock and take us back to 2013. And here we are already. Let me set the scene. What's going on in 2013? Well, it's an interesting year. And from a technological point of view, um, Oculus Rift was the first virtual reality headset that really people got their hands on. Mm. Um, You know, the one that's, if you like, famous. We know that other things are around. Um, 3D printers. were all the rage and uh, drones were the new techno toy those things have continued to grow um, some more than others but really interesting in terms of um, entertainment raw was the record of the moment by Katy Perry oh yeah (laughs) and get lucky by Daft Punk interesting (laughs) (laughs) from a world perspective um, sadly we lost the amazing Nelson Mandela and Prince George was born And uh, sadly, from a terrorist perspective, we saw the Boston Marathon bombings. So, Joe, what was happening for you in 2013? Well, it was a very different year for me because I started Lightbulb Moment. I went freelance, self-employed. Technically, I started a limited company uh, and I'd been in working in corporates for a number of years before that. So it was quite a change for me that year. Amazing. And what were the seeds that you planted that that made that happen? Oh, well, I'd been self-employed years and years and years before. So I'd kind of done it already. It wasn't scary from that perspective. I had, um, I'd been made redundant uh, a year or two before and then I'd had an interim contract which ended so it it was it wasn't like I'd left a job I'd had the big push out of you know the big corporate really well paid in London Um, and that was the that was the job that as much as I loved it it had come time to leave and I didn't leave because it was a big corporate amazing job Uh, and I got paid very well and all of these things but then I was made redundant got the contract and so it was kind of a natural sort of stepping stone Um, and whilst I don't talk about this very often uh, a lot of people know that I have a health issue I have a muscle condition and and I just knew that going Monday to Friday nine to five sitting in an office I, I was starting to really struggle with that So it made sense to bring all these different things together and go, well, I've done this before and worked on my own. Why don't I do it again? And I've been very, very lucky to work with Colin Steed um, uh, and learn about the virtual classroom. And uh, it was just like, wow, I've discovered this amazing thing that, quite frankly, I never knew existed. Uh, It was different from e-learning, but it had all the best bits of face-to-face. So it's like, hmm, why don't I go and do that? And Colin actually offered me a job. So all of the stars were in alignment. I did that and uh, went and got loads of different experience and loads of different companies, not just with Colin, although Colin was seminal in what I did. Uh, And it grew and grew from there. It's really interesting, Joe, isn't it? Reflecting on that time and talking about that. It's a really brave thing to do. Did you feel brave at the time? Did I feel brave? (laughs) I I think because I'd had the previous experience doing it and because I had the health issue, it it felt logical and natural more than brave. I think if you're in a different circumstance, I mean, what would have been brave is if I'd left my London job kind of in the year where I thought it's time to leave. That would have been brave rather than (laughs) waiting and then magically be made redundant and the decision made for me that, you know, that would have been the brave part. Um, so I, I don't think it was about 
bravery in, in making that decision. I think what's brave is continuing to do it because like with anything it's a slow start um and for a variety of reasons you know i had to learn my new craft i had to establish a network and a professional profile uh, it's one of the things i'd learned in that london job was uh, people within the organization knew who i was and i had a great reputation nobody else did so that year in that contract role I'd, I'd started going to learning technologies I'd started um, all sorts of different things so I think the brave part was was digging deep and continuing and doing all the things you need to do and I'll be really honest I went through my entire redundancy payment in in that year year and a half I can't remember how long that was it <laughs> so long ago but I was very fortunate that I had some savings in that redundancy payment to shore me up and, and I later kind of earned and replaced it. Um, but, but that I think was the brave part when, when people were kind of going, but you're not earning very much money uh, and you're doing all these things for free. And it's like, but you've always done X, why not go back and do X and be going, no, no, this, this is the right thing for me. That, that was the brave part, not necessarily making the decision in the first place. I think that's such important advice, Joe. You know, you've just got to keep going. And, and there are peaks and troughs in, mm. in these kind of journeys all the time. Some really deep troughs that you just have to keep keep going and, and have yeah. the have the ambition and the faith and the hope that, that it's going to get better. And I, I think there was one point I remember, and I, and I can't remember at what point this was, let's say year three for the sake of argument, uh, that I was running my, the business. And, and I had no work on the books. I had very little kind of irons in the fire or pipeline, whatever you want to call it. And, and I was just looking at that and going, huh, what's going to happen now? You know, I've got nothing booked in. And I spent about a week, not panicking, but certainly worrying about it. And then kind of came to the conclusion, you know what, this is a great time. I'm going to sort all my files out. I'm going to go and research this. I'm going to do my marketing that, blah, 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 blah. And just as I'd got that plan, a load of work just landed on me. And after that, it's like, you know what, I'm never going to worry about this again. Because like, yes, it ebbs and flows. There are times when I'm massively busy, as, as you well know. And there are times when I'm not so busy. But I've decided I'm not going to worry about it. Because even if it's quiet there's stuff that I can do that's valuable in different ways. And, and after that, you know, I got rid of that worry. That didn't serve me anymore. So that was good. And Joe, looking back at that time, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's early. <laughs> I was like, I've only on my second cup of coffee, Jane. Um, what advice? I think this is maybe a little bit too personal, I don't know, but I think I'd focus on myself, like things like my, my physical fitness um, and, and my mental and emotional well-being more than I did. It's actually only, only really now that I'm more focusing on that. And, and a, a, from a personal point of view, but be from, you know, my vision, my values, my passion, what drives me from a business perspective. How do I want to run my business? How do I want to be seen, you know, during 2020 with all, all the COVID stuff, you know, I didn't want to be seen as, well, hey, right, come to me. I'm going to earn loads of money. Yay. Because that's not what I'm about. I'm about helping people. So even just a simple thing such as our marketing back in March and April, we saw a lot of people jumping on this COVID kind of 
bandwagon, if you like. And we're like, oh, that doesn't, doesn't fit me. So we just went, you know what, if you're suddenly going on live online and you don't know how to do it, we've got a template here, we've got a download there, we've got a podcast here. Uh, and we took that approach of helping people. And it's things like that, that I, I would probably have advised myself to put more investment in initially at that time. I think that's really good advice, Joe. And I, I, I have to say that those resources are so valuable. If any of our listeners oh, haven't seen you. them, I'm sure that we, you know, we will make sure that we share them with you. Um, and they are, as you say, changing all the time. As soon as you get more stuff, you're yeah. putting out there as much as you can, uh, Joe, to really help people. Because it sounds easy to do the stuff that you're involved in, to be an instructor virtually, um, a facilitator virtually a guide virtually, a coach virtually, but it really isn't easy. Um, and as people have definitely found out this year, which is where we're going next, it is a real challenge and over time needs, um, like anything, to have some you know, injection put into it so you can keep the energy flowing. So should we go to the present day? Yes, let's jump back in that time machine. Absolutely. So um, you have a quick um, cup, uh, swig of your coffee there. And we've arrived at 2020. So uh, what are you observing and how are you coping, Joe, in 2020? <laughs> oh, my goodness me. How long is this podcast? <laughs> it's Well, 2020 is a year like no other. Um, I must admit, in, in a lot of ways, I am really, really lucky, really grateful. A, from a health point of view. Um, I, I've known people with COVID-19, but nobody directly in my family has been affected, and, and me or my, my partner or anything. So I'm hugely grateful for that. I'm also hugely grateful for the fact that I've got a job, quite frankly, I've got work coming in. And obviously, this year has been really busy. When I speak to people, I was speaking to a taxi driver the other day, and he was saying, oh, you know, what do you guys do? And I said, well, I sort of shortened it a little bit I said I teach people how to use zoom and he kind of went wow you're busy then went, oh, a little bit a little bit uh, there's a slightly more nuance to it than that but I thought that was the easiest way to explain it um so so in that sense it's it's been a very busy year a very good year from a business perspective but that wasn't necessarily always going to be the case you know back in March and April and May, we were helping lots of people. It was really busy. And, and you know, we've talked about that time kind of separately um, about how busy it was and how hard I was working. Uh, and it was a privilege to be able to help people that needed it. But also, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen, A, obviously, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But, with, you know, there was that bit of, well, if everybody's suddenly going live online and everybody's being forced to do it, is the bottom going to fall out of our business? Will we not have a business in three, six, nine, 12 months because everybody is now doing it? And we've spent our entire business building up saying, you should do it and let us help you. Now, obviously, that was, was not going to be the case because just because you can turn Zoom on or Teams, it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean it's uh, going with your learning objectives and all of those other things. But, you know, we didn't know so we were working really hard. Um, but in other ways, you know, it hasn't been too bad. I work from home on my own anyway. So I didn't have any of that furlough worry. I didn't have any of that working from home difference. Uh, it's been obviously challenging not being able to see friends and family, not being able to hug my mum and my dad and my stepdad for a year or my brother. You know, those kind of things really hit you. Um, 
but I, I'm in a very, very fortunate position that I've been able to help lots of people and hand out work that I couldn't do or wasn't right for me to people that I know were also struggling with work. Um, so all of those things have been a huge privilege for me this year. I think it's re really interesting what you're saying, Joe. And what are you observing from, you know, your, your clients and customers? What sort of things is going on out there? Tell us a bit more about that. It's It's been a really interesting journey of a year for a lot of clients. Now, everybody is in their own unique place, has their own journey. What we saw a lot of, fairly obviously, March, April, May, was panic get online now you know especially colleges and universities we helped a lot of a lot of those and and that was well one university uh, a european one for instance they were speaking to us kind of on the friday going we we're going to need your help and on the tuesday it was like yeah by friday we're in shutdown lockdown uh, everything is going to be on zoom so it's tuesday today by friday we need our 400 faculty to be able to deliver on zoom what can we do and and i remember going on um a, a learning and skills group webinar actually and people were saying oh well it's um you know things that, that were taking months are now just taking weeks and i was thinking weeks you're lucky i've got hours sometimes <laughs> in the turnaround uh, and that was kind of interesting um the journey after that you know people were then trying to go from from the panic and just get it online and serve the basic need and that was appropriate at the, at the time through to kind of over the summer it was like Whew, okay now let's let's try and do this a little bit better let's try and, and develop our skills and then kind of come to quarter four what we're seeing a lot more of is it's not the panic it's not the rush and it's a little bit more strategic of right we've done it it went okay it's not at the level that our face-to-face -face training was whether that's happy sheets or, or or any other measure or just our people aren't happy doing it um so we need some help and, and work on that strategically going forwards. Not everybody's in that same position. I spoke to a client um, or a potential client a couple of weeks ago who was going, so we're thinking of going virtual. And I was thinking, this is like November. You know, it's like, <laughs> how did we not have this conversation in March, April, May, June, July, you know? But as I say, everybody is in a different situation. Every industry, every organization, every need is different. So, so that journey I've just explained is entirely different for different people but that's some of the stuff that I've been observing. I think the point you're making here is you know, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach mm. of course there's some best practice resources and, and things that people mm -hmm. can share but it has to become something that works for the uh, individual the team the function the organization yeah. um, that's some of the things that I've been uh, observing and of course there's also many different mediums you know I don't know about you Joe but as a small business one minute I'm in zoom one minute I'm in teams <laughs> and I yep. might be in another medium but I think that it's this idea of telecommunications now that we've really got to start to become much more comfortable with um, mm. and also particularly when we come to learning make that distinction between working and learning because there's some some very different things going on and, and I think what I'm hearing from you is that while some people are sort of laying those foundations what you're doing is then pushing those boundaries even further Joe, mm. to help people grow from that point but if those strong foundations are not there um, it's very difficult to do that, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I said about rewriting our course. We've got a, a six session course and, you know, writing it kind of from fresh. 
our, our session two, for instance, used to be uh, about let's learn your platform, WebEx, Zoom, whatever it is. And it would literally be right. Everybody let's share a screen or everybody let's upload the slides. Everybody click next. Oh, look, that's how it works. And more to it, you know, we're talking about two hours of training. So it's more than just let's share your slides. But that's the level where it, where it was at because that's what people needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably, I don't know, 80% of the people we were teaching had never done this before. But over time, and 2020 has accelerated it, that's not the case now. Now it's 80, 90% of people have done those things and are relatively comfortable with those basics. So now it's a case of, right, here's some resources on how to share whatever it is in your um, platform. But now let's look at, well, how do you set up your desktop to make it the easiest, smoothest, best way forward? What are the tips and tricks that go from, I've shared something through to I'm confident and it's smooth and it's a great experience. And that kind of thing is very different from what we were doing before. So that kind of shows A, the shift over time anyway, but what 2020 has done. And that's where you do need that solid foundation. But it's interesting. It's a, always a balance. Uh, and I, I always remember way back when I was working in London, I was working for CNN News, kind of Time Warner, uh, Turner Broadcasting, that whole group. And uh, this was back in the day when I was offering the menu of courses and I was doing all of those things that we know not to do now. And uh, I think one week out of the month, I would have a, a poster in the lift. That was my slot to advertise my training courses. And there was uh, Excel, beginner, intermediate, advanced, pivot tables, whatever. And loads of people would book on Excel intermediate. But in the training session, I'd be saying, click whatever. And people going, what? Because they didn't know the basics. And it's like, but you need the basics course and people didn't think they did. So when I changed it around to learn X, Y, Z to be able to do ABC, suddenly people were booking on kind of the right courses for their level. And it's having that kind of approach that we need to somehow make sure you have the foundations whilst not calling it the basics because we don't want to talk down to you because you do have skills and experience, but we also need to make sure that you know how to do the right stuff first and that's a real interesting balancing act I think that you know what you're saying has really got me thinking about um the brain you know what I'm like Joe I I, I you know I go off into into no, some of this evidence-based stuff what's really interesting is that you know over time you forget that we're in this medium and I know that you and I know each other a, a little bit but the brain doesn't know the difference between perception and reality so what I loved about what you were saying there is this idea of of setting up the, your screen your way. So you've got your sort of things around you. It's like thinking about a comfortable chair, isn't it? And saying, mm -hmm. right, if I feel good here, where are my switches and whistles and bells need yeah. to be? And what's great about the work that I've seen you do is just putting people back in the centre of a medium like Zoom, as an example, or MS Teams, and allowing them to customize it, if you like, so that it really does work for them. And, 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 and if it isn't working, know how to then switch it about until they do get that level of comfort. And one of the things I, I, I hear you talk about a lot is digital body language. So tell us a bit more about that. Oh, it's fascinating. And you can call it different things. It's body language in the bandwidth. It's virtual body language. Uh, but basically, the idea is when we're live online, 
in let's say a virtual classroom with 10 people we're, we're teaching and training or facilitating whatever topic and largely people don't have their webcams on 2020 going back to the observations thing has changed that a little bit a lot of people are more comfortable putting their webcam on which is brilliant uh, but for bandwidth reasons it's not always appropriate for personal choice people don't always want to um, and quite frankly there are circumstances that we have to respect where people might not be able to or, or feel comfortable putting those webcams on so for a variety of reasons I always say we shouldn't bank on that there's a lot of people who are insisting on webcams for their attendees being put on and I think it was Christine Locker on, on Twitter that I saw say that webcams on is the new bums on seats it's the kind of I know you're there which I thought was a really good way of putting that so I think it's a bonus if you can see people and see them nodding and smiling and all of those lovely things but we shouldn't count on it we shouldn't base our virtual plan and interaction engagement and delivery off of it so therefore you have this huge gap of I'm looking at a computer screen that's got my PowerPoint on it maybe and maybe my notes and all of these other things but where are the people and as teachers, trainers and facilitators, we get really good at reading the room, feeling the energy, seeing people's facial expressions, their body language, all of those things. And that's one of the biggest things that people have as a hurdle for going live online. So digital body language is about saying, OK, you don't have that stuff or, or it's it's very limited. But what can you do instead? And all of your platforms that you use, Zoom, Teams, Adobe Connect, WebEx, whatever, have versions of the tech that you can use. They've got chat and polls and whiteboards and all of these different things. And it's about how can you design your interactions and your activities and use those tools to read your audience in a way that's similar to what you would do face to face. And that's why it's called digital body language. So somebody is always the one who writes a whole paragraph in chat somebody is always the one that just goes yep in chat or there's always somebody who's got that bit of banter or or you know there's always somebody who's the last to click the green tick or the thumbs up and and it's about how do you interpret those things is that because they're the thoughtful person that they're always last is it because they're doing this in a second language and they're trying to translate in their head is it because they're lazy and they're doing something else or or they're bored or you're not engaging them enough so just like face to face we have to look at somebody's facial expression and i remember learning very early on in my career that confusion and concentration are a very similar <laughs> facial expression <laughs> and having to interpret what those were so that's at, at its most basic that's how I see digital body language that advice is is great and it's switching on all sorts of thoughts for me it sounds mm. like we need another podcast on that alone but we'll leave that for now but it's a really interesting topic and you use some other words there but the other thing that I want listeners to understand is that it doesn't only happen in the actual room itself mm. That part is one part of a journey and experience. Yeah. You know, what communication they received to arrive, you know, yeah. how they interacted before they came along. There's all sorts of ways of picking up incredible, valuable evidence. And if you're not doing that, you're actually missing a huge trick. Very simple things. What is the one thing that you want to be able to apply back 
after yeah. doing xyz so that you can be much more tailored as you said because a bit like going shopping these days a lot of people are on there having a go playing about not everybody is but a lot of people are because it's so much easier to do that so when you actually get you mean there like online shopping or... yeah so you know when you go into a store these days most people are really informed you know that they, they've mm. had a look online what sort of prices are going on i just wanted to come and have a look at something because i thought i wanted it and i'm checking out whether it's oh, you mean like I a TV need. or something? Sorry, yeah. I was thinking like Tesco's. Well, but <laughs> even... I have not re I have not researched the price of milk recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, but people are doing that, Joe. Yeah, I mean, it that's depends true. what that's situation true. you're in. Difference is, is that people are going into shops informed much yeah. more than they yeah. were previously. So, you know, just having somebody on the shop floor that's going to help you tell you the obvious is not good enough. Yeah. So what I'm saying here is, you know, that in, in you know, give all those resources out pre. So people can have a play, get used to it, feel more comfortable so that the shift that you can um, create when you are live online with people is, is, is greater, is of more value to people. Yeah. And that digital body language starts then because yeah. often as they arrive, I mean, this can happen face to face as well, but as they arrive in the room, they've got maybe a mindset of our attitude about them because of what's gone before. And that's also the same for afterwards, the time you send instructions. If they're sent 10 minutes before somebody's coming in, th that's not valuable. If they're sent three weeks, it's probably too far in advance because mm -hmm. we're all so busy. So getting that balance right is really important, is the kind yeah. of thing that I'm saying. Make sure that digital body language is looked at for the whole journey and not just when you're in the room. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we get or one of the questions we get a lot is what about when I ask a question and no one responds? And we had a, a client recently who said I timed it and waited a minute and six seconds before somebody was uncomfortable enough to unmute and say something. It's like, wow, that's that's pretty awesome that you timed it and that you waited that long. I'm not sure I would have waited that long. So I, I was impressed uh, in that sense. And it starts right from, as you say, the welcome information, the, the setup, the pre-work, the finding out about your audience. And as soon as they log on, because when we think about face-to-face, -face, and we do this a lot in our training, is right, what would you normally do face-to-face? -face? Now let's find the live online equivalent. Generally speaking, people wouldn't turn up into your classroom, sit down, and you'd ignore them. You'd say, hi, good morning. How are you? Who are you? But did you have a good journey in? And, you know, there's the coffee machine and whatever else it might be that you kind of tend to do. And live online, those things are important, too, because, again, focusing on, say, a virtual classroom with 10-ish people, as people log in, if you're unmuting and saying, hey, Bob, welcome. How are you this morning? And Bob unmutes and says, hi, I'm doing good. How are you? What you've just done then is, can you unmute Bob and can I hear you? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. And shall we start building a relationship and normalizing this interactive behavior? But you've done it conversationally. And, and loads more tips like that. But even just something like that can mean that when you ask your question, you're not waiting a minute and six seconds for Bob to unmute because he's much more likely to unmute because you've had a conversation with him already. So we've got to go back to some of those basics, haven't we? And, and yeah. you know, just lay, as you know, we come back to that word foundation. But, you know, often it's editing and stripping away stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's actually really clear. Few of us maybe have experienced even GP or other consultations in this medium. And what I'm noticing and hearing 
and, and reading about and researching is that it is just being really clear with people, making it much simpler than maybe would, we would have done and not making assumptions and checking in and just keeping it really clear, really practical, really simple. Yeah, really good advice. We're going forward in the time machine. Oh, scary. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Here we go. We've arrived at 2030. Wow, that's not very far away, really, is it? It, it isn't at all. And uh, it's predicted that there'll be less people in full-time employment. If you listen to the greats like McKinsey and the World Economic Forum and the Deloitte's and EYs and everybody that does this great research on behalf of the world. So uh, we have a much more contingent workforce going on. Mobilised workforce, workforces mm. that are on the move much more, work lives that are more intertwined than ever. Robots doing all sorts of crazy. <laughs> have you been watching those uh, Pathé films <laughs> in the 1950s? <laughs> I must Is it admit. finally coming true? <laughs> I am enjoying Ridley Scott's new new series on uh, Raised by Wolves. I don't know if you've seen it, Joe. No, it's, no idea. It's, it's fascinating. Anyway, what do you foresee in 2030, Joe? Oh, well, in, in some ways, was it, who is that quote? Was it Bill Gates or was it someone who'd said um, that we underestimate how far we'll go in 10 years, but underestimate how far we'll go in a year or something? Somebody <laughs> said something like that. Uh, if you've ever listened to my own podcast, you'll know we don't do sayings very well in our house, unfortunately. Um, but I, I think in that sense, it's easy to go, oh, well, we're doing X and Y and Z and it's amazing. And then we'll do a podcast in 2030 and you'll say, do you remember <laughs> you said this and we're nowhere near that. Um, so it, obviously it's really hard to predict and things like this year will have accelerated lots of things like the, the flexible working, the remote working, uh, people's attitude to work-life balance and their family and things like that. But equally, what uh, other than you know the health and the economy and stuff like that, the, the dreadful impact it's had there. But thinking from a work perspective, what negative impact has that had? What does that mean in 2030 is not going to happen that otherwise would have happened? I don't know what the answer to that is. I can only pose the question. So I think in some ways what I would look forward to is, you know, that conversation about technology being more integrated into our work on our life and our home life in a way that's supportive and appropriate but is is just an enabler i talk about this a lot technology can feel like a barrier especially when it goes wrong and yesterday i was having lots of grumbling moments about why can't this just work and, and that will probably always be there but when it works well when it's integrated it's an enabler i i saw something yesterday i was just scrolling through christmas shopping stuff on my phone and saw what's called something like a friendship lamp. And basically it's a colorful lamp, it's a touch one, and you buy two of them, they're really expensive, so I'm not buying these despite how much I love my friends. But you buy two of them, I have one, I'd send one to you, Jane. You connect them up to your Wi-Fi. you have like a network, and you can have more than two if you want. And basically if I tap the friendship light on or put it on pink or purple, which I think are our favorite colors, then, um, then it would come on for you as well. And you'd see that and you'd be like, oh, Joe's put it on purple, that's lovely. And I thought that was a really, really cool application of the technology we've got, especially this year, 
thinking about how we can enable people now i'm not necessarily sure that the friendship lamp is the pinnacle <laughs> of this but it, it was in my mind and i just thought it was a good example of how it can enable it can bring us together and we can use that in a really positive way as well as things like climate change human rights all of those things it would be really nice to know we're a few steps further in 10 years but 10 years in in politics and and huge shifts of attitude and change is not a long time uh, so so we can only focus on ourselves and our development and hopefully in 10 years you don't say what would you wish you told yourself 10 years ago <laughs> absolutely no i like your predictions and i also like to put on the table joe that it's in our gift to shape these things the one thing that technology is doing is giving us a voice to do that so it's not let's let somebody else worry about it it's our job to worry about ourselves each other and future generations because we're seeing more than ever that the seeds that we plant now are can be challenges for future generations and, and that's and it, really important you can do such simple simple things um in our powerpoint presentations the pictures we have of people I, i've always been focused on this but really focused on it now to make sure that the pictures are more representative we've got older people we have people of color people of different races and religions uh we've got disabled people just as photos and it, it's hard because you know you then second guess it and go well, if you put a picture of like an older woman in there, are people going to interpret it this way um, when you're making such and such a point? So you have to be really careful. But even just something simple like that or, or sharing on LinkedIn or Twitter somebody's comment or question or suggestion about something to do with, you know, these topics even that simpler level you are contributing to the solution rather than burying your head in the sand so i, I really love your point and, and joe as a successful woman i'm calling you this here and there anyway um as a successful woman what advice would you give other women i mean we are in 2030 and you know i'm i'm hopeful but we've still again if you look at the evidence we've got a massive mountain to climb it's actually been impacted further by the COVID situation and the social justice movement. What advice would you give to, to women out there? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's about, it's around this confidence, esteem, self-compassion area. I've been doing some reading around self-compassion and, and it's a really interesting thing around not saying not not a positive blase you know the, the world's falling around apart me but it'll be fine carry on it's, <laughs> it's not that it's about you know what quite frankly this is horrid this is rubbish i feel terrible whatever's going on and that's okay to feel terrible let's feel terrible about it but let's not beat ourselves up about it so you know i'm probably doing a really bad injustice to to Kristen Neff's work um so it's things like this confident self-compassion you're right to say things like the I've seen some COVID research around uh the home working the looking after the house the looking after the kids has fallen more on the 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 wife or the mother um and the stress that goes with that obviously not in all situations but that's what the research is suggesting and so that self-compassion about how can we cope with this is really important but also I've, I have a lot of friends who are self-employed in business or have their careers, whatever it is, that simply that confidence bit 
isn't there. And I remember, this is really geeky, I remember a few years ago as part of a local board game group. So not, not Monopoly, so kind of more geeky things than that. And we were playing this particular game and you had to choose either to, to sacrifice one, two or three things, whatever it was, uh, for your reward. And the two people I was playing with it, one would go, oh, I'll sacrifice one. And the other goes, oh, I'll do one. And then they'll go, oh, I'll do two. And I went, I'll do three. And they went, oh. And the, other, the woman who was observing just said, well, she runs her own business. You've got to be bold. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, because my basic attitude is effort. Let's just give it a go. <laughs> um, and, and I think that confidence if it's not there naturally, it's something you have to work on. And I have to work on mine too. Um, I know I can seem outgoing and confident and gregarious and these things. That's not always true. That's not always the case. I can absolutely assure you. And that I think is the biggest piece of advice is find somehow, nurture, talk about, look at, counsel, therapy, books, networking events, whatever it is you need to find that bit of confidence, self-esteem and self-compassion that can help you make those, those decisions. Because I think that's something that I know separates me in a lot of ways. And I don't necessarily get it right. And I'm not necessarily saying you have to have that to be successful. You, you definitely sometimes have to be more reflective and I can improve on those things. But having that confidence to say, I'm gonna do this and do it well, rather than I don't want to do it, I shouldn't do it, why am I doing it, why have they asked me, that makes a huge difference in how you approach things. What great advice, Joe. And I'm going to be really bold and brave and confident now, and I'm going to give you reins to my time machine. So oh, where, oh. where are we going and why? Is it future or past? You can go wherever you want. Oh, okay, on a really geeky personal level. <laughs> I'm going to go back to 1978, which is a bit weird because I was only just born then. Um, but that's uh, December 1978 was when Superman the movie was released. And you know I'm obsessed with Superman. <laughs> and I'd love to go and see that at the cinema. That would be pretty awesome. Um, on a professional note, <laughs> where would I go? Where would I go? Um, oh, I just don't know. I, there are so many parts of history that are fascinating to have been there and to observed and we all have those little fantasies about well what if I could have given that bit of advice or told them this is going to happen you know what could we have avoided or something but but maybe it's the future that's more interesting and and go and have a look at what's going to happen and just be aware of it and uh, bring back a, maybe a sports almanac to help me out for those back to the future fans amongst you um and just kind of have a look at where are we going and and hope that that's a really positive thing uh so that's a really woolly answer but that's what you're gonna get joe that's fine i love it i love it and, and you know i love the emotion that i was seeing coming out of you from there you know sitting in that premiere of Superman, I could feel the energy, <laughs> feel the energy in the Zoom there. And um, look, you do lots of podcasts, and I know you're you're very vocal with, with what you do. But would you share something that may surprise people about you? Ooh. Apart from my obsession with Superman, <laughs> which probably won't surprise too many people now. Um, something that would probably surprise people is actually how much I like my private, quiet time. Um, which a lot of people be like, what? No, 
you're always the chatty one having a laugh with a big smile and I am and I love that but there's that uh, it's not really introverted but it's that kind of grumpy leave me alone I've been doing this all day I just want to chill out on my own person um and my other half is definitely a grumpy leave me alone person <laughs> so it's we're quite happy to for him to be like watching tv downstairs for me to be doing i don't know yoga or just reading or something upstairs and it's it's really nice to have that quiet time and the older i've got the more i've appreciated less people not necessarily less chatter overall but more quality conversation and quiet time uh, and a comfortable silence i've really learned to appreciate that uh, and i think that would surprise people so joe thank you so much again for coming in the time machine today it's been an absolute delight oh it's been great fun and a final word from you about the research that we're conducting and how people can get involved oh well you can find out about it on basically just follow me or jane anywhere on social media uh, or our website or our newsletters you'll find a link to it um, i'd really encourage you to get involved and share it with your colleagues your friends the more people we have fill it in the more data we have the more expertise we can all improve uh, and in advance thank you everybody for doing so joe thank you so much take oh, care everybody pleasure bye bye and thank you to everybody for listening today to this episode of the People Who Know Work-Life Podcast. There's so many more things to explore and we'll also share Joe's resources with you. There's lots more podcasts, articles, research reports and experts for you to explore at peoplewhoknow.co.uk. We're the Work-Life Services Marketplace and Network. Bye for now.